very good morning to you. And now on RTHK, it's time for Letter to Hong Kong with Democratic Party legislator Ted Hui. The following program is a personal view program. Who will guard the gods themselves? It's an age-old political and philosophical question that never gets old. Judicial independence and separation of power are important means to maintain a check and balance on those in power. We expect courts to deliver justice because we have faith in the judicial system. However, when the regime is using all sorts of ways to interfere with the judiciary and undermine the rule of law, who is better suited to monitor and protect it from the storm? Judicial independence does not mean that the judiciary is free from supervision. Secret trials and assignment of government-appointed lawyers are not allowed under the Hong Kong judicial system. On the contrary, transparency of the judicial process is key to maintain judicial independence. However, in the eyes of an authoritarian regime, transparency is trivial. It is more important to have control over the judiciary so that it can carry out political missions. Ever since the anti-extradition movement last year, the pro-establishment camp has frequently attacked judiciary and condemned judges for being lenient and biased. Figures like DAB's Holden Chow and Elizabeth Quart have repeatedly called for the establishment of a sentencing council and supervisory committee similar to those in other jurisdictions, so that non-judicial members can take part in formulating sentencing guidelines and monitoring the appropriateness of judges' decisions. Before we move on to the problems such suggestions may cause, it is important to clarify how sentencing councils elsewhere work. The Sentencing Council for England and Wales was established in 2010 and has since formulated 27 sets of guidelines. It is composed of 14 members, eight of which are judges. The remaining six members range from barristers and legal scholars to people with law enforcement and victim welfare backgrounds. Nevertheless, it is worth pointing out that all appointments are either made by or require the agreement of the Lord Chief Justice. In other words, the appointments of the Sentencing Council are still led by the judiciary. Scotland, on the other hand, established a similar council known as the Scottish Sentencing Council in 2015. It is mainly composed of judges, but there are also three legal members, which includes a prosecutor and a solicitor, and three lay members. Likewise, the appointments of both legal and lay members are still made by the Lord Justice General. In addition, the guidelines formulated by the Council requires High Court's approval before it can be applied to sentencing. The pro-establishment camp regularly emphasizes that the judiciary is not superior to others. Pro-China newspaper Tai Kung Pao even blasted the judiciary for being arrogant and ignoring public opinion. However, it is worth mentioning that even the Sentencing Council for England and Wales, DAB constantly refers to, does not allow the public to arbitrarily interfere with the independence of the judiciary. For instance, although the judiciary will take into account the guidelines issued by the councils in the aforementioned examples, judicial discretion is preserved. In other words, the judge is free to decide which factors are relevant and should be taken into account in the case, and consider how much weight to give to each one before sentencing. 
if the judge feels it is within the interests of justice to sentence outside the guidelines, he is allowed to do so after giving his reasons. Moreover, the appointments to the councils have to be agreed by the judiciary. The guidelines also have to be approved by the courts. The main function of the councils is more about creating a consistent approach in sentencing than supervising judicial affairs. In fact, there is no sentencing council in any other common law jurisdictions that can override the judiciary. As for a supervisory committee in other common law jurisdictions, take the Judicial Commission of New South Wales as an example. It is only tasked to deal with complaints against judicial officers and not those against judges for their decisions and legal analysis because that is within the jurisdiction of the Court of Appeal. Freedom of speech means that people are free to discuss judicial decisions, but judicial independence also suggests no one should interfere with court's jurisdiction. That is to say that no one other than judges themselves can judge themselves in any common law jurisdictions. Chief Justice Geoffrey Maud issued a rare statement to emphasize that the courts are to exercise judicial power independently, free from any interference. Last month, he pointed out that it is wrong to make serious accusations of bias or breach of fundamental principles merely based on the result of a case not to one's liking, and that where fundamental principles have been breached or other errors have occurred in the criminal trial, there is an established appeal process leading up ultimately to the Court of Final Appeal. He also reminded that complaints about the judge's conduct may be made and that each complaint will be handled in accordance with established procedures. Nevertheless, there were a few notable cases that generated a considerable amount of debate in society with regards to the way the judge handled politically sensitive matters. For example, Judge Kwok Wai Kin praised the attacker who stabbed three people in Chang Kwan O for showing noble qualities in his judgment. The attacker was later sentenced to 45 months, a sentence many consider as disproportionate. There was also another incident where a protester complained about being violently treated by the police in court. But the judge dismissed it and said that there was no point in complaining because the court was not the independent police complaints council. Referring back to the brief mention on transparency of the judicial process earlier, the Chief Justice reiterated its importance in his statement where he mentioned that open justice and transparency enabled the community to observe the judicial process in full and to provide meaningful and informed comments, opinions or criticism. I fully agree with the need to have open justice and transparency, which is why I asked the judiciary in the Legislative Council this year about the number of criminal cases handled by each judge in the district and magistrate court. The number of criminal cases where the defendant complained in court of being subject to police violence, amongst other data, but to no avail. I subsequently filed a request for information citing the code of access to information, but was still rejected.
I had no choice but to lodge a complaint with the office of the Ombudsman regarding the request, and the Ombudsman has already initiated an investigation. If, according to Geoffrey Ma, the judicial process can be observed in full without undermining judicial independence, and that meaningful and informed comments, opinions, or criticisms are welcome, the court must increase its transparency. Hence, I publicly call on the Chief Justice to urge the judiciary to provide figures and data related to judicial proceedings so that the public can form the meaningful and informed opinions and criticisms as mentioned himself.